Hey guys, welcome to the Drama Club. On this week's episode, we talk about Kim Kardashian studying to take the bar, allegedly, and the Free Britney movement. And then May gets into the story of Princess Diana, the realest bitch in all of Wales. Stay tuned. What up, fam? Feels good, right? Good, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it, dude. Yeah. And without further ado, we broadcast live from CA to NY. I was gonna uh, tweet. Uh, we are now accepting applications to Thotty's Gate or whatever our cult is gonna be called. <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> the DJs at Thotty's Gate are gonna be Pitbull and DJ Polly D. <laughs> Oh no no! It's gotta be it's gotta be Pitbull and DJ Khaled. Oh yeah, <laughs> or fucking no, or like DJ Quick. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna be sponsored by what's that cheap makeup brand? NYX. <laughs> oh, NYX, NYX. Yeah yeah yeah. And Sears. <laughs> oh no, Sears is going out of business. We can't be sponsored by them. <laughs> no, that's who we're gonna be sponsored by. <laughs> what are you drinking? Something disgusting. I don't even oh. want to talk about it. Tell me what it is now. <laughs> but some more fucking strawberry vinegar juice? No. No, because that's not disgusting. That's actually good. This is a beer rosé, a rosé beer. It's gross. Oh. Nobody get that. Like, it sounds appealing, but no, yeah. it's terrible. And I hate when you do so. You, buy, you bought like a six-pack or something? I bought two six-packs. Oh, my God. And you got to finish them because, you know. Mm-hmm. Because I got to. Yeah, it's, si- you- it's simultaneously exactly something I would buy and exactly something I would not buy. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, but it's, it also has like hibiscus in it. So I was like, you know, I'm so... Oh. Rosa de Jamaica, I was like, yes, yeah, I'm on. in. Hell yeah. My grandma was just talking to me about cooking and like um, making aguas frescas and shit. <gasps> Are you making some? She wants me to make mole, and she was like, "You gotta go get the good peanut butter." And I was Ugh. like, "What? What's the good peanut yeah, butter?" The one at the Mexican supermarket that comes in like the the supermarket label. You know, it's, it's like, like a- yeah, it's like half oil and shit. Yeah, my grandma's got me out here doing all this crazy shit that I don't usually do. Like this week has been Semana Santa, so she's been hella yeah. fucking extra. I know. We're watching fucking procesiones every goddamn day. Nope, that's too much. Yep, she's hasn't <laughs> let me eat meat for dinner like the no. whole week. I know. What have you been eating? Just straight frijoles? Yeah, like fucking frijoles. Once yuca. again, this is the frijoles podcast. Once again, welcome to my podcast. <laughs> On this podcast, I talk about frijoles, my grandma, <laughs> eyeliner, buying a six pack of beer that you gotta finish. <laughs> and our hot topic for today is Sears is going out of business. <laughs> This is the podcast in which we review every Fallas Paredes <laughs> in the intercontinental area. No, we wouldn't know the word intercontinental if that was our podcast. Oh, that's true. Though, that's true. Though, that's true. Though. No, but you know what I used to love is every like uh, on Bridezilla's when they would do the interviews of those ghetto ass people. Every once in a while, they throw in a spicy ass word like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Unbeknownst to me, <laughs> my DJ was not going to show up on time. <laughs> yes. I keep seeing Bradzilla show up on my Hulu. Uh, it's it's only like the new season. Yeah, and I don't fuck with those. No, give us what we want. Yes. 
Remember that bitch who was like uh, swirling the wine and she was like, this is a tornado. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was its heyday right there. Classic Bridezilla's right there. <laughs> <laughs> like all the shows we used to love, me Horror. Bad Girls Club. Oh, my <laughs> God. Bad Girls Club was the best. I had a roommate in college who who uh, applied to be on Bad Girls Club. She didn't She didn't get in, though. So no, she fuck. didn't get in. But still, hey, I think she might listen to the podcast. Hey, shout out to you. <laughs> what up? <laughs> Hoel, Hoel just got home and he's like, I'm going to take a boxing class at six. It's 5.50. How are you going to get there on time? Sometimes this fool will be laying down and he's like, I'm going to go to the six o'clock boxing class. It's like 5.58. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's a fast runner. No. <laughs> he's just rude. <laughs> this, is a, this is what happens when you date a Mexican guy. All, right, all of a sudden he becomes box a boxer. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's inevitable, like, right? Yeah, this is like a fun new thing that's happening right. in our lives. All of a sudden, Hawaii wants to box. You got to buy him those um, those fucking shorts with the Mexican colors on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save that for our uh, anniversary. Oh, what what number is that? Is that like first anniversary is paper, 10th anniversary is like gold. <laughs> Mexi- when you wear a Mexican, <laughs> you're... <laughs> Your anniversaries are different than the regular ones. <laughs> On your third anniversary, you get matching Mexico satin shorts. <laughs> <laughs> On your fourth, on your fifth anniversary, it's gold conchas. <laughs> yep, yep. Do you do you remember that time I went to your apartment and it was like <laughs> little do you guys know that Hoel is so Mexican that his last name could be rearranged to the word. <laughs> <laughs> And so, they no, have, no but the people are gonna know what his last name. No, is. they're no, they're yes, not. Yes, they are. It's like that's what I would think of. I don't want to be famous. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. That's not the only option. We'll just bleep it out. I remember when I told him me and Mary are gonna start up, uh, start the podcast for real. He was like, "No, I don't want you to do it. I don't like the paparazzi." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. be on the Daily Mail. Wow, uh, TMZ. You're going to be on fucking uh, the Mexican one. What's it called? Primer Impacto. <laughs> Suelta la sopa. Yeah. <laughs> what? I, What'd you just say to me? <laughs> you, don't, you don't watch that show? No. Dude, I follow them on our Instagram. You should check them out. They got all the tea. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I would die for us to be like Spanish gossip show hosts. Oh, yeah. For sure. That would be amazing. We would have the fucking best makeup. I was going to say the dresses. Oh, yeah. We would then be we like, could really start our thoughty club. Yep. Daytime thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all I want to do, I, I want to get like famous enough on Latin American TV that we could meet La Doctora Polo. Oh, and, yeah. And like be on her show. She, yeah, be on her yeah. show. We're, we're a special guest. Like she has to get our opinion on shit. I would die, man. <laughs> what up, guys? Welcome to the drama club. <laughs> Hey, I see, I see your Chanel uh, fucking cardigan. In the oh background. hell yeah, there it is, there it is. <laughs> there she goes. I wore my Chanel shoes to work the other day, and uh, was one of my coworkers, one of the secretaries, was like, "Are those Chanel?" And <laughs> by the way, she is Mexican, and she do talk like that. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah," and she was like, "Damn, some of us gotta buy shoes at Payless." Hey. They got Chanel or Payless? I was like, bitch, me too, shit. <laughs> Those are the filler shoes. Those are yeah, like, you know. Come on. Those are the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Thurs- no, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shoes. Yeah, there you go. 
the Chanel shoes are for Friday. Maybe not Payless, but definitely like DSW. Oh, yeah, for sure. Have you seen those commercials with Mindy Kaling in them? No, really? Yeah, she's doing DSW commercials now. That's cute. She looked really cute on her Instagram. Did you see she did a little video for getting 4 million followers? No. Oh, my God. She's like, not like, it's just like a boomerang, but she looks so cute. Her dress. Hold on. I got to show you. Okay. Mindy, Mindy, Mindy. Who is your baby daddy? <laughs> oh, she looks amazing. Doesn't oh, my she God. Look good? The dress is so cute. Yeah. I, I want that dress. Yeah. I wonder what it is. Anyways, so what were we saying? Should we introduce ourselves? Are you first? <laughs> i'm scared <laughs> hey yo what up everybody my name is may what up guys my name's stephanie and we are the drama club yes your only source for gossip drama scandals reality stars frijoles gossip from our families <laughs> why am i talking like that today i'm gonna stop uh. Oh, some of you guys might have seen it, but shout out to Pocket Cast who put us on their guilty pleasures <laughs> list. That shit's sick. I was so excited. You text me. I was like, what is that? What's happening? Where are we going? <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, there were some haters, though, because we got our first one star review. Yeah. For whoever the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys would see me reposition myself right now. <laughs> I know. I got low-key scared for a second. I was like, it's not my fault. I just showed it to you. <laughs> to whoever the fuck left us a one-star review, I'm ready to, to throw hands. To whom it may concern. <laughs> what a bunch of bullshit. No, dude, honestly, like, I get that. We're not for everybody. Some people don't give a fuck about celebrities and shit. But then don't fucking listen to it. Like, why would you <laughs> listen to it? What the fuck were you thinking? That's what we said we're about. And then you came on here and you got exactly what we said was going to happen. And now you're mad at us. You should be mad at yourself. <laughs> uh. I still, I still understand the one star review more than the four star review that we got. Oh, that one time. oh same, yeah. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. I get that. Time that was like infuriating. Like, what did we miss? Right, exactly. That so sucks. this, this, I get it, and I respect it. It's fine. For sure. All right, whatever. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it, and I don't respect <laughs> it. So you got a little bit of both. That's what. See, that's why we make a good team. I bring the respect. You bring the not respect. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. I ain't gonna say it no more. That's one of the greatest interviews in all of the Breakfast oh, yeah. Club history. Along with Drake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people go on there and they really pop off. Like they yeah. say shit that comes back to bite them in the ass. Yeah, for sure. Like remember DJ Khaled said he he doesn't go down on his wife. Yeah. I remember that Rob Delaney retweeted it and said, I'll go down on this guy's <laughs> wife. Perfect, perfect. Oh, I finished Catastrophe. Oh, isn't it sad? It's, yeah, it's cute. I, I I liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked I liked the last fight they had. It was very like mm -hmm. quintessential. Yeah, it encapsulates the whole series. Yeah, and I I just like the two of them. Like they're both fucking witty savages at each other. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. So that's that's always fucking good. This just in, guys. I just got a uh, an email from Marshalls. <laughs> <laughs> And what on earth did it say? It said, just in, our latest arrivals priced so nice. Oh, my God. Marshalls is barely getting on the email in the year 2019. Marshalls got on Al Gore's internet in the year 2019. How they used dial-up to send you that fucking email. 
All right, we got a hot topic? Um, well, a few things did happen. For one, people keep talking about Kim Kardashian going to law school or not going to law school, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she said she was going to uh, basically shadow an attorney and then sign up to take the bar exam, which is a way that you could get your your license to practice in some states. They do it in Cali. Mm-hmm. So people were like mad, which I didn't really get. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's just like the generalized hate towards the, the Kardashians. Kardashians. Yeah, it's true. But like people in the legal community were pretty fucking shook because basically in California, I know like somebody posted it that I follow from school and it was like the last three or four years, only 20 people ever sign up to take the bar exam after doing it that way. Mm -hmm. And they never pass. Yeah, but I mean, nobody's ever passed. But truly, who cares? No, I think too. It's Who like none of shit? it's none of your business. If she wants you know to do it that care? way, and if she does it, more power to her. You yep. Know? You know why lawyers care? Because mm-hmm. then that means they're they're as smart as Kim Kardashian, and that's somebody that they like to point at and call dumb. Yeah, that's true. So it's like that. It's just like goes to their fucking ego. But who gives a shit? I really don't care. I was telling Paige, I I wish she would open like a like a legal aid, like a clinic. Some, yeah. yeah, for like a crim for crim law. You know, right. that'd be yeah. awesome. But you know, you know, they're doing it for. Yeah. yeah yeah photogram yeah photogram dude. <laughs> <laughs> i went to law school photogram, photogram. yep past the bar photogram <laughs> photogram you know <laughs> that's hella privileged <laughs> like like i said who like, cares I, yeah i'm fine with it but i mean it's none of my just because it's none of my business like yeah you bitch, know none of this shit is our business yeah that's true that's true though <laughs> um it's people have been talking about her sink her what her sink her oh manos. yeah, I, I was like, sink. What is that, bitch? Lave manos. I got it. Yeah, I saw the video. It looked awesome, and then people yeah, were hating on it. I was like, why? That looks no, fucking I think it amazing. Looks really cool. Anything, anything. I think that simplifies. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with it. Why not? But for, for real, at first I thought she was going to like push a button and it was going to go down. Oh, that would be sick too, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just a gadget. You know, I'm in, I'm into gadgets. So I'm like, yep, you'll see yep. a gadget. I'm with it. M- Maze Inspector Gadget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she <laughs> got a <laughs> long ass <laughs> coat. <laughs> when we go to the bar, it's really embarrassing because she opens one side of the jacket <laughs> and this long arm shoots out <laughs> to pay the bartender. <laughs> I thought you were going to say with like a bottle opener. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so shout out to her. I mean, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Who cares? I saw she posted today, aced my test or something. Yeah. I was like, what test? I know. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, bitch? <laughs> she aced her BuzzFeed quiz. Can you be a lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> she got her dad. It was like, take this test and we'll tell you which part of OJ's legal team you are. <laughs> I'm definitely Johnny Cochran. <laughs> Oh, man, I wish I was Johnny Cochran. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. forever. Uh, the other huge thing that, like, people were freaking out about is the fucking Game of Thrones premiere, but neither of us watched that show. Mm-mm. So, I have, I've seen that show. I, I met I've this, never seen it. I met this guy in China just recently, and he was, like, uh, he was asking me, like, hey, what kind of what kind of shows do you like? And I was, like, oh, I like... May was like, how much time do you got? (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) It could take a while. I was like, "Um, I don't know. I'm into like Veep. I said Veep and Barry. And he said, you said- I like Barry. Have you seen the new season? No, I don't think it started yet. Yeah, well, then one episode is out, I think. Oh, okay. 
So he said, uh, you said two HBO shows, but you didn't say Game of Thrones. I was like, I do not fuck with anything that has dragons in it. Sorry. And then he got, he was like a nerd. He got real shook. Let me tell you something else about this fool. He was like this, like, vanilla white boy from Illinois. Uh Uh-huh. And he started He went all the way to China to meet some dude from Illinois. (laughs) He was... He followed me around China like a little dog. Like he, I was like, oh, I'm going to go do this like tour because I had long layover. I'm going to go do this tour. And he was like, I'll come with you. Oh, my and God. So I started getting annoyed. So I started fucking drinking. So like I was like drinking and he was every time I had a drink, he had a drink. By the end of like our time together, he was fucking wasted and started getting mad and like yelling about 3D printers. What? <laughs> he was like, that was the kind of nerd that he was. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. He was on his own? Yeah. That guy was going to kill you, dude. Good thing you got out of there. I know. I made it back alive, y'all. Right? Um, I had like one thing. Oh, everybody it, who's letting us know about Britney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're on the case. The hashtag free Britney is trending. Yeah. yeah apparently, she's she may or may not have checked herself into the mental health facility, but she's now being held against her will. Oh. It's like... That's rough. This is a tea that her dad sent her to the mental health facility in January because he found out that she had been driving a car and under her conservatorship, she cannot have a car. What? Or, really? Or she, she, she cannot drive a car, I should say. And she That's also, weird. she also apparently can't have a cell phone. What? That's why like whenever you see her posting to Instagram or whatever, it's always like very highly curated that's Shit. true and it's always like somebody else clearly shot it yeah exactly do you know what's crazy too is right before her uh her little breakdown in 2008 or whatever she mm-hmm. was always uh shown by paparazzi driving around remember yep yeah she's always being a convertible with like mm-hmm. one or two assistants yeah exactly uh, balancing multiple starbucks coffee yeah yeah <laughs> barefoot and shit yeah <laughs> So, as always, we're thinking about Brittany and we're keeping we an eye Brittany. on this story. Yeah. Can you, can you find the words to sum up how you feel today, both of you? Difficult to find that sort of word, isn't it, really? Just delighted and, and happy. And I, I, I'm amazed that she's uh, been brave enough to take me on. <laughs> and I suppose in love. Of course. Whatever in love means. <laughs> Well, Are you ready, May? Yeah. Try to contain your excitement. Uh oh, I can't. Don't make that stupid smile. Hold on, I can't reach I can't reach my iPad. Okay. Uh oh. Now I'm fucking scared. <laughs> Y'all. Y'all. I'm doing Princess Diana. <laughs> Hell yeah. Damn, really, mate? I've seen this on the list so many times, and I'm like, I can't do that. It's just, it's a lot. I feel like that could have been like a two or three parter. Yeah, I tried to, it was hard to sort of condense it down to the major plot points. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it helped that we kind of already did Fergie, because I don't have to go into that. That's true. You know? Yeah. Her relationship with Fergie. And it also helps that I think on the list we have Camilla and Charles as a whole yes. separate thing. Yeah, that's so true. I'm sort of brushing over that. Yeah. yeah, the the bulk of their situation out of it. But okay, cool. 
Princess Diana. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Most of this is from the 2017 documentary Diana in her own words. Yay! Is that still on HBO? No, you're thinking of the one that's like Diana, our mother, or some shit. Oh. Yeah. That one, this one is a little darker than that one. A lot darker than that one. This documentary is wild. Actually, this one's on Netflix. If anyone wants to see it, I think you should see it. Hell yeah. This one is wild because it's literally just Diana narrating her life story on audio tapes from 1991. But most of the recordings are about her marriage. The royal family and Diana's family tried to stop it from coming out because they say it was recorded during a really dark time in her life. So it's almost an invasion of privacy to put all her shit out there because she might not have been in the best state of mind when she recorded the tapes and she surely would have regretted being so candid. Right. But honestly, the royal family just didn't want this released because it makes them look fucking really bad. Of course. And the weird thing is, I almost feel like she could have made them look even worse because knowing what I know about the royal family already, which honestly isn't even that much because I don't stand the royals like that. But yeah. knowing what I know, everything she says doesn't surprise me. Like not once was I like, oh my God, no way. It was more like, oh, the queen is bitchy. Yeah, I know. I saw Helen Mirren and Claire Foy play her as a bitch in like two movies and 20 episodes. <laughs> you know, I got this. So Diana Frances Spencer was born at home on July 1st, 1961 at her parents' estate. She was the fourth of five children. When asked what her first memory is, she says that she had an unhappy childhood. Aww. Her parents were always busy doing whatever it is that high society people do. And she says that her dad was always angry, even slapping her mom across the face on occasion. And her mom was always crying and neither of them would talk about it. But she says she always had new nannies. So mm. it's always a nanny. Yep. It's always a nanny, as you all know, was one of the early names we had for this podcast. <laughs> the Spencers eventually got divorced when Diana was seven. And Diana's younger brother, Charles, says that a big strain on the marriage was that they kept trying for a boy to be the heir to their titles, but they just had girl after girl after girl. So John, the dad, sent Francis, the mom, to clinics to try to figure out what was quote-unquote wrong with her. Oh, wow. <laughs> this was super humiliating, obviously, for Francis, and just added to the strife in their home life. The kids stayed with Francis during the separation, but then John got custody of them when, in a twist, his ex-mother-in-law, Francis's mom, backed him in court. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's really crazy. <laughs> Diana was meh at academics and good at sports, particularly diving, but she was also good at piano and ballet. She says that she always felt different and detached from everyone. In 1975, she became lady diana after her lady diana th that's that's what came to mind immediately <laughs> <laughs> so she became lady diana after her dad inherited the title of earl Hell earl yeah. spencer so now it's lit fucking yep. we out downtown here. abbey baby yep we got butlers and shit now <laughs> yeah. we're ready baby oh my god <laughs> crumpets on deck after school in 1978, she did one term at a finishing school in Switzerland. This fancy ass bitch. I know. Then, <laughs> then she moved into a flat with her three homegirls. Damn. <laughs> she didn't really go out and party with the girls because she was kind of a homebody and she kept to herself. She hadn't had a boyfriend yet, despite all her homegirls having boyfriends because she figured she needed to 
quote, keep herself tidy for whatever was coming her way. (laughs) (laughs) We all need to keep ourselves tidy. (laughs) Couldn't be me. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Later... When Charles was courting her, her uncle, Lord Fermoy, the names are weird in the story, but... Yeah, Earl Spencer. (laughs) Lord Fermoy weirdly, creepily vouched for her virginity in the press. Whoa. Quote... Why the fuck would he know? (laughs) Quote, I can assure you, she has never had a lover. (laughs) Like, that is so fucking weird. Yeah, yo, this girl is straight up not dating nobody. She's never dated nobody. She's a fucking nerd. Nobody wants to date her. Uh, She had a bunch of jobs, including she nannied for an American family for a while, and she was a teacher's assistant at a preschool. When she first met Charles, it was 1977, and she was 16. A little chubs, in her words. But I saw some pictures of her, and she looked normal slash maybe even a little thin. And. And Diana had often played with Charles's younger brothers as kids because they were closer in age. Okay. Charles had a casual thing going on with her older sister, Sarah. Diana said, quote, my sister was all over him like a bad rash. Oh, shit. <laughs> Diana, princess of shade. Because yeah, that was shady as fuck. Anyway, so Diana was a little mouthy because she didn't give a fuck that Charles was a prince because she wasn't checking for him. And she definitely didn't think that he was checking for her since he was sort of seeing her sister. Right. But then he was like, will you show me the gallery? Oh, damn. And she was like, damn, he's paying attention to me? That's the OG butler sliding into your DMs. Yeah, that was Netflix and chill. Yep. (laughs) And she was like, (laughs) show me around your gallery. (laughs) And she was like, dope. But that was kind of it, and they only saw each other a handful of times over the next couple of years, and only because of her sister. Hmm. Okay. Then, when Charles had his 30th birthday party, he invited Diana, and Sarah got a little salty. Mm. She, was, she was like, hold the fuck up. Why is Diana invited to? And Diana was like, I don't fucking know, but I want to go. And Diana ended up having a great time. The word she used to describe that night was fascinating. <laughs> okay. which i thought that's that, interesting that is interesting that's it's not fascinating yeah <laughs> so how often do you describe a party you went to as fascinating <laughs> never how was the turn up last night fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> damn was that shit science <laughs> what the fuck anyway so she gets invited for a weekend at some mutual friend's house and when i say friend i mean some sort of duke or lord or some shit yeah. And when I say house, I mean like some Downton Abbey ass castle. Yeah. It had a big ass <laughs> garden and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Charles is there and she tells him that she'd seen him walking down the aisle at St. Paul's for some royal funeral and that he looked sad and lonely and that he should be with someone who'll take care of him. Oh, damn. <laughs> and so she says the next thing she knows, he leapt on her. Wow. And she'd never had a boyfriend before, so she was like, whoa, I thought guys were supposed to be more standoffish and subtle when they like you. Yeah. <laughs> and so he invites her to the palace the next day, and they sort of took it from there. Damn. He'd invite her out for long walks and for barbecues and shit. What is a royal barbecue, by the way? 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't imagine they were cooking carne asada and shit. No. Right? <laughs> they were making, their butlers were making beef wellington. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> In September 1980, the press caught some pictures of Charles and Diana hanging out on the grounds of one of the castles. Hmm. Diana saw them from a distance and kind of panicked and told Charles she'd go away for a bit so as not to cause any trouble for him. So she kind of walked away and hid behind a tree for like 30 minutes, which like that's fucking weird. That just like calls calls more attention, makes it more obvious. Yeah. And from then on, the press knew it was fucking on and they would post (laughs) and they would post up outside of the preschool where she taught and would follow her around everywhere. Oh, no. Remember that she was only 19, so all of this starts taking its toll very quickly. Of course. She couldn't walk two steps without the press in her face asking her if the palace was going to make an announcement soon, meaning her engagement. Wow. She'd get in her car and they'd chase her. It fucking sucks. She was, you know, basically just a kid. Yeah. But but her youth was seen as a plus in the eyes of the royal family because she was less likely to have exes coming out of the woodwork to try yeah. to embarrass them. Oh, that's true. Wow. Yeah. And also she was a perfect childbearing age, so Right. <laughs> and she's a virgin according to Lord Sussex and who the fuck that was. <laughs> according to her uncle. Yeah. That's so weird. That's gross. <laughs> My uncles would just be all like, Yeah, she a hoe. <laughs> so <they> were, <laughs> I can assure you that she is a hoe. <laughs> So they so they were all like so the royal family was like fuck yeah Charles lock this shit up and let's get this show on the road because yeah. he's he's like you know thirty or like yeah he's thirty at this time so they're yeah like, you so know. there's probably already a bunch of pressure on him to get married anyways yeah exactly but by this time Diana already knew that Charles had a so-called friend named Camilla Parker Bowles. Uh! <laughs> Diana was spending a lot of time at Camilla's family house during this time. Like while they were courting, like he would always be like, "Oh, let's go, let's go kick it at Camilla's house." Ew. Yeah, don't be taking your new chick around your side chick mm, for real. And she said that Camilla would constantly be like, "Hey, don't do this, don't do that. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like that." And Diana would be like, "Why the fuck is this bitch telling me what to do? And why does she think she knows everything about what Charles likes and what he doesn't like?" Yeah. Then she was like, oh, okay, I get it. And at one point, she heard him on the phone with someone saying, whatever happens, I'll always love you. Oh, God. So she put two and two together pretty quickly. Yeah. In February of 1981. What do you do, though? Do you think, sorry. Go ahead. Do you think, like, if you're Diana, like, he must see something like that that she has something with Charles that he doesn't have with Camilla. That's why she's the one who's going to marry him. Or do you just think like this is something I'll have to live with? It's hard to say because think of yourself at 19 years old. That's what I'm saying. She must be like all, you know, yeah, fantasizing fa- about shit and romantic. And- yeah. A fairy tale. You yeah. Know? The fucking prince has yeah. come to sweep me away. I Exactly. Like right. I'm. It must be, I must have something that she doesn't, I guess. Yeah. Or, like, there's a lot of politics involved, too, because... Yeah. She probably had pressure from her family, too. Like, if if it's fucking Prince Charles showing an interest in you, you think her mom and dad aren't like, what the fuck do you mean you don't want to marry him? Yeah, exactly. And especially because her sister Sarah apparently dropped the ball because he wasn't checking for her anymore. True. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) So... 
In February of 1981, Charles called her up and was like, I have something to ask you. And she knew what the fuck what was up. What that mouth do? <laughs> <laughs> you still a virgin or what? <laughs> so, so she went to Windsor the next day and was kicking it with Charles and he asked her to marry him. Wow. She laughed and says that she kind of thought it was a joke because by now, like, she already knew about Camilla, you right. know? So in her mind, she was maybe like, oh, it's never going to, it's never going to happen for me or something, right. you know? Right. So she thought it was a joke and she laughed and she, but she responded, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I don't think that he appreciated that she was kind of whatever about it because he said, quote, you do realize that one day you'll be queen. Fuck, man. Because we have to remember that Charles was the most eligible bachelor on earth Fuck at yeah. that time. He was fighting off bitches left and right. So he was kind of pressed that Diana was like not worshipping the ground that he walked on at this point. Of course. So she noted how tense and serious he got and she changed her answer from yeah, okay to yes, I love you so much. I love you so, so much. And he responds, quote, whatever love means. Um, which is some bullshit he said and there's a video of him like when they later when they publicly announced their engagement he yeah. says the same shit yeah which is like that's a really fucked up thing to they're say. like do you love diana and he's like whatever love whatever. means or something yeah. like that yeah yeah that's fucked up yeah it's super fucked up what a dick mm-hmm. and, and obviously he knows love because he loves camilla he, he loves that he bitch. fucking <laughs> loves that bitch there is there is a there's a, like a, an alternate viewpoint of this that yeah where it's coming their from. story is so romantic yeah exactly right but, yeah but there's no reason that they had to destroy everyone else's life no they didn't they it, didn't have you know? to trample upon diana and then yeah. do her so bad and it's just like i don't know it's whatever yeah. we'll get we'll get to it yeah yeah <laughs> i'm gonna start crying that's it <laughs> we can't do this episode <laughs> So I do, I do want to say that not enough people, I think, give Diana credit for how calculating she is, especially at a young age. Yeah. She knew what to tell that fool the first time he kissed her. Like, you know, oh, I don't think you're being taken care of. Yeah. Even though he was kind of with her sister. Right. At that point. And Camilla probably. <laughs> yeah, and Camilla. And now she knew instinctively to change her attitude about his proposal. Yeah. I think she knows exactly what she wants and how to get it. Whether what she wants is good for her is a different story. Right. Anyway, shortly thereafter, she chose her famous white gold and sapphire and diamond engagement ring. Yay. She later said that in her immaturity, she convinced herself that he loved her and that the rest would work itself out. Oh. Which is, of course, that's that's, that's the 19-year-old, yeah. you know. Meanwhile, the press is still being so fucking extra they rented out a flat directly across the street from hers that looked into her bedroom. That's disgusting. They'd call at all hours of the night looking for a comment from her. They were harassing her, really. But a few also staked out Camilla's house. And one day, Charles called Diana up and said, Can you please call Camilla? I've had her on the phone and she's very upset because of all the press that's at her house and she's having a very rough time. What? I was like, how the bitch? fuck is Diana's problem? <laughs> if my man called me and to console told his me, side bitch, yes, like she literally had four reporters outside yeah. of the gate of her property. Diana had literally forty outside of her front fucking door. Yeah, I promise you, I would have found a way to like 
defy the laws of physics to strangle him through the phone. I would have killed that fool. <laughs> so Diana was like four reporters, four reporters. There's literally 40 reporters at my door and I've never complained. Cut to a few weeks later on February 24th, 1981. And the engagement is officially announced and Britain is pumped. At her first major event, Diana wore this black off-the-shoulder dress. Oh, my God. And Charles gave her major shit because it wasn't something that a royal would usually wear. Yeah. But she was like, I'm, you know, I'm 19 years old. This is what my friends would wear to an event like this. She yeah. was like, it, it was black. She was like, that was that was probably like the classiest thing I could have worn in my mind at that time. Yeah. And Charles was like, are you going to a funeral? Yeah. So Diana was super nervous already, and that didn't help. Plus, that night, she meets our favorite nymphomaniac, Princess Grace of Monaco, <laughs> who, of course, even at her age at that time, is perfection in every way. So Diana is even more aware that she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing and <laughs> what the fuck she's gotten herself into. <laughs> oh, man. I feel so bad for any woman who has to stand next to Grace Kelly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not only is she a bad bitch, but she's a hoe, even too. Even Fat Grace Kelly. <laughs> yes, especially Fat Grace Kelly. Because <laughs> now she's they, they, well fed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch got more energy to steal your man. <laughs> <laughs> Who could compete with that? <laughs> anyway, so Diana goes back to her flat that night and finds a note on her bed from Camilla. Fuck you, Camilla. This fucking bitch. Literally every time I've heard her name my whole life, in my mind, it's followed by the words, how dare she? Me too. Fuck <laughs> Camilla, dude. Like, I can't not unsnake her, you know? Like, yes, yeah, exactly. She'll forever be a snake to me. So the note says, Such exciting news about the engagement. Do let's have lunch when the Prince of Wales goes to Australia and New Zealand and love to see the ring. Lots of love, Camilla. Fuck you, Camilla. This fucking bitch. So Charles was going on his trip for five weeks and at the airport, the press went fucking nuts because Diana was crying her eyes out. Oh, They loved it. They were like, Lady Diana says a tearful goodbye to her prince. Mm. But, but, but Diana says that she was crying not because he was leaving, but because earlier that day she was in Charles's study when Camilla called. And he kind of stopped talking and gave Diana a silent look. Mm. Like, can you step outside for a minute sort of look? You know? Yeah. So she contemplated staying just to be a bitch. But but she stepped out, and of course she was fuming. So she and Charles had, uh, had a big fight about it, and that was their first big fight. Oh no! Anyway, so she decides that she will organize a lunch with her and Camilla, which she called "quote very tricky, very tricky indeed." Right. When I heard this, I was like, "Oh no, baby, what is you doing?" Yeah, like, I would never fucking do that. I invite her to lunch just to poison her ass. <laughs> she's 19 years old. There's no way she has the weapons that she needs to take this bitch down at lunch, you know. And they didn't have the Real Housewives back then. She can't even study what any of those bitches would have done when they have lunch with their enemies. Very, very true. I guess Camilla asked her at lunch that day, "Oh, you're not going hunting today, are you?" And Diana goes, "No, I'm not." But later, she said she was still too immature to get that Camilla was sort of lobbing that double entendre at her. Sort of like, you're not here to shoot me down, are you? Right. And I was like, see, why did you go to lunch with that bitch? You know, all she did was talk shit about like every little thing that you said and did with her friends later. Of course. I feel so bad for her because she couldn't escape Camilla. She says that she later went into Charles's office and saw a gift box. So she opened it and inside was a custom bracelet that he had made for Camilla that he was planning on gifting to her that night. Wow. 
Diana says that she felt, quote, rage, rage, rage. I bet. Meanwhile, Britain is still going crazy for the upcoming royal wedding. They're doing all the shit that they do, like making coins and plates and plates with their faces and the date on them and shit. And at this point, she's like, fuck, I can't marry him. I, I can't do this. Right. So she vents to her sisters and is like, what the fuck am I doing? And her sister goes, oh, bad luck. Your face is on a tea towel already, so it's too late to chicken out now. Oh, shit. <laughs> is she still salty because she could have been the one? <laughs> yeah, true. And to make matters worse, Diana became bulimic the week after their engagement. Yeah. Charles had put his hand on her waistline and said, oh, a bit chubby here, aren't we? Mm. And literally that one statement basically triggered the disease in her. When she was first measured for her wedding dress, she had a 29-inch waist. The day she got married, five months later, she had a 23-and-a-half-inch waist. Holy shit. She was like, I was literally disappearing. Wow. 29 inches is very small also. Like, yeah. just she started off very small. Seriously. The night before the so-called wedding of the century, Diana had a really, really bad bulimic episode. Mm. She binged everything that she possibly could at her house and was up half the night quote sick as a parrot which is an expression i've never heard yeah me either finally at 5 a.m she was up and eerily calm and ready she had finally accepted what was happening and that it was inevitable she says that she never really considered calling it off at that point but that she was very unhappy and that it was the worst day of her life oh she had cried a lot during the rehearsal a couple days before but by that day, she was just numb. Yeah. As she walked down the aisle, she spotted Camilla. How, how dare she? Diana says that the memory of her is very vivid. This was like, uh, I think it was like 10 years later at that point. And she's like, it was very vivid down to specifically what she was wearing and the position that her son was in front of her, like on this little stool. Wow. But it sort of gave Diana comfort and she thought, well, you know, here we are. There you are and here I am. Yeah, totally. Right? And th this moment must mean that that's the end of that, like whatever you had with him. Yeah. So she was like, at least I don't have to worry about Camilla anymore. So things were in a way sort of looking up. And she did love Charles or at least the idea of Charles. So all of this must have been the craziest mix of emotions for her. Right. Quote, I'd realized I'd taken an enormous role, but I had no idea what I was getting into. The couple left the word obey out of their vows, which caused a tiny little scandal at the time. And Diana fucked up Charles's name during their vows because she called him Philip Charles instead of Charles Philip. <sighs> I hate how I hate how Claire Foy says Philip. She's always like, Philip. <laughs> Philip. I'm going to rewatch The Crown after this shit. <laughs> So, okay, she says that two days into the marriage, any hope she had was shattered. They were, listen to this, they were, <laughs> they were on their honeymoon and each taking out their calendars to write some shit down when two pictures of Camilla fall out of Charles's planner. Oh, man. And that's when she noticed that Charles was wearing new cufflinks. They were two intertwined C's, kind of like the Chanel C's. yeah. And she was like, oh, my God, those are from Camilla, aren't they? And he goes, so what? They're a gift from a friend. Wow. Mm -hmm. Diana lost her fucking mind, as she should have. 
<laughs> I was like, let it out, girl. Yeah. And they had this huge fight. She says, like, the two C's were a really good idea, but I guess it wasn't that clever. <laughs> I guess, like, Charles just straight up always had Camilla, too, right? Right. Yeah, That's exactly. crazy. He allegedly, they kind of stopped their relationship for a while until his uh, marriage became, in his words, like, irreparable. Right, right. But I don't, I don't buy that because no, look at all this. Like look at yeah. look at all this bullshit. That's, I mean, maybe it, I don't know. Maybe they weren't fucking, but this is something. Yeah, worse than fucking, honestly. Fuck yeah! It's like they're having a straight up relationship on the side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the same time, her bulimia is getting really out of hand. She was barfing four times a day on their honeymoon yacht. Oh fuck! That sounds awful. By the time they get to their Balmoral estate, she's having dreams, like literally dreams of Camilla every night. And in her words, becomes obsessed with her. They were at Balmoral from August to October of that year. Imagine, like I was just thinking that if this were today, she would straight up be stalking her on Instagram and shit. Oh, yeah. It'd be you like know? crazy. Yeah. Yeah. In early October, things were getting really bad. And Diana was ready to slit her wrists. So she recognized like these suicidal tendencies. So she left Balmoral earlier than planned to seek mental health treatment. But she says all the doctors did was pump her full of pills and nothing was really offered to her by way of like therapy or anything yeah. that would help the underlying issues. Of course not. And like honestly, even therapy, because the underlying issue is your man with somebody yeah. with somebody else. You You're know? married, you won't need to get out. Yeah, exactly. But then William was conceived in October and she says that the good news did wonders for her mental health and occupied her mind. But she was sick throughout her whole pregnancy, morning sickness and bulimia. So she still really struggled. Plus, the family was being super hard on her because she was still expected to do all of her royal engagements, but she was barfing or passing out left and right because she was so weak. So they labeled her as difficult. Mm. I guess no one, she said that no one in their family had ever had the morning sickness that she had that was like the constant kind of, I think Kate has that too, huh? Yeah, she, she does. Has, yeah. The, the constant morning sickness. So they were all like, just like fucking suck it up, you know? Yeah. That was shitty. And Charles was being fucking Charles, basically leaving her alone all day and doing his thing. One day in January of 1982, about 12 weeks into the pregnancy, she was having a particularly rough day. And Charles was like, cool, you deal with that. I'm going riding. Whoa. So she threw herself down the stairs. Oh, man, that's awful. Keep in mind that this is a fucking castle. So we're not talking about one or two or three stairs. Yeah, these are like... like Dozens. Yeah, exactly. There were dozens of stairs. So she she got super roughed up and bruised. Like it was pretty bad. And the queen who heard it, it was like right outside her door. She immediately rushed out when she heard the racket and was shaking with fear and emotion. But Diana and the baby were ultimately fine. So Charles went riding anyway. Oh my God. Mm, okay. A few weeks later, a pregnant Diana was photographed in a bikini. And when the photos were published, the queen called it, quote, the blackest day in the history of journalism. Oh, my God. Relax. She a drama queen. Yeah. When William was born in June of 1982, things got better for a little bit because Charles was pumped. He was all up in the nursery doing the bottles and everything. Aw. 
but then he got bored or distracted or something, and he went back to his old ways. Meanwhile, Diana was hit with a major case of postpartum depression. Her bulimia continued to spiral out of control, and the family is still treating her like shit. They're basically ignoring her, but aggressively ignoring her, if that right. makes any sense. No, <laughs> like, right. like they're making it known that she was nothing to them. There's, she talks about in the documentary the day that they did, you know, they do like the the whole thing with the first pictures of the baby and shit. Yeah, first yeah, yeah. pictures with William. And she said that that, that day the queen and like Philip and Charles <laughs> and everybody took like a million pictures and they brought her in for like a couple just to calm down the baby. and like What with, the fuck? And, and didn't pay attention to her and didn't ask her even, is this a good time to do it? So William was fussy the whole time. Wow. And it was like shitty. She was like, that was one of the darkest days. Anyway, the queen made it known to Diana that she thought that her marriage to Charles was only in distress because of Diana's bulimia. What? So basically, it was all her fault. Yeah. Diana says that she's basically blocked out the time period between when William and Harry were born because it was such a dark and painful time. Aww. The family arranged a doctor for her that she had to talk to every single night. And you know the queen was getting those transcripts and shit. That's what I was saying on some Don Draper shit. Yeah, for sure. So it must have been really weird because I bet if you're her, you're like, I wonder if I can trust this guy, obviously, you know? Yeah, fuck no. Don't trust anyone. Right, exactly. And it's not like she had any say in who she could see because obviously it had to be ultimately approved by the queen. Right. She also, during this time, had a relationship that apparently wasn't sexual but was at the very least an emotional affair with this dude named Barry Manicky, who was one of her bodyguards. Wow. He was later transferred in 1986 to a position which he would not need to have any contact with Diana because his managers had determined that his relationship with her was inappropriate. Mm. This reminds me of fucking Princess Margaret. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that her name, Margaret? Yeah. That's my favorite storyline in The Crown. Years later, Diana admitted that she did have, quote, feelings for someone during that time. Aww. And that she was, quote, quite happy to give it all up and just go off and live with him. Aww. In the six weeks before the birth of Harry in 1984, something weird happened. Diana says that she and Charles got really close. Like, you can see pictures of them from around this time, and they're kind of cute. Like, they... They kiss and hug and show affection and touch, and they seem like they're really in love, but maybe the only time in their relationship that they've ever been in love with each other. Uh-huh. But then, according to Diana, the minute that Harry was born, bam, the whole relationship went down the drain. Wow. I guess the tea is that Charles was desperate to have a girl and was really disappointed when Harry was born. Oh, so no. he, like, he, like, resented her, and that was it. That was, like, the last row. And also, he was getting more hot and heavy with Camilla. Right. The press started getting whispers that Charles and Diana's marriage was in trouble, and some even speculated about the chances of divorce. But of course, no one actually thought that divorce could possibly ultimately be on the table. Right. So Charles and Diana essentially began living kind of separate lives, and Diana busied herself with her charity work, and she really took it to the next level, in particular with her devotion to AIDS causes in a time before it was fashionable to support to support AIDS charities. She's a real one for this shit because, yeah, like, honestly, it was, like, it must have been really scary at that time. Yeah. She's someone who, like, really devoted herself to not just for show. You could tell that she yeah. actually, you know, 
wanted to make a difference and like was active in her charities, like trying to make a difference in the world. Yeah, exactly. Because Which, even after when she was divorced, like she didn't have to keep doing that shit. Yeah. And she hella did. Yeah. Yeah. This is when she kind of started to earn the moniker, the people's princess. And Charles had already been ridiculously jealous of the public adoration for Diana. And this only made it worse. Meanwhile, there was this like uh, there was this scene in the documentary where they're traveling somewhere. I think they were like in Australia or something. And he talks about how Charles and Diana were like in a car. Right. In, in like a procession sort of thing. And if people were on the side of the street where he was on, they would move to the other side of the street where she was on. Wow. So they could see her. Wow. And he and he makes this joke like, man, I should have I should have had two wives and then just walk in the middle. So that if that's the only thing that people care about or something. Like he was real salty. Yeah. He did have two wives. Yeah. Also. So yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, Diana was seeing a new psychiatrist and she says that the first question he asked her was, how many times have you tried to kill yourself? And when she heard herself say four, she knew something had to change. Not to mention she had at least one instance where in an attempt to get Charles to pay attention to her, she took a penknife and cut herself straight down from her chest to her torso. And she's what she started bleeding and shit, and all he did was walk away. So Oh like, my god. So at that point it was the bulimia and it was the self-harm. And it, 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 her life was just spiraling. Her mental health was spiraling. Right. In June of 1986, Diana meets James Hewitt, a cavalry officer who was at the palace organizing the mounted horses for Prince Andrew's wedding to our girl Fergie. <laughs> she asked James to become her riding instructor. This is the person everybody thinks is Prince Harry's dad, right? Yeah, exactly. So he taught her how to ride better, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and yeah, like you said, this is the dude who's widely speculated to be Prince Harry's biological father. He hella he- looks like Prince Harry, too. They look alike, and he's kind of ginger, you know, so it's sort of like, it makes sense. But all signs point to this affair starting well after Harry was born. But you never know. I don't know. Like, (laughs) they look alike. Right? (laughs) Anyway, so Camilla's sister was having this big, huge 40th birthday party in 1989, and Diana decided to go because she's a messy bitch who lives for the drama. (sighs) On the whole way over, Charles is, like, getting real nervous. He's like, why are you coming? <laughs> and he keeps asking her, like, why Why are you coming to this? And, you know, it's driving her crazy. Diana says that she decided to go because at that point, she was done being nice and cordial to Camilla. Good. So, so no more hugs and kisses hello. Now she was going to shake her hand, which I guess is, like, a major diss. Yeah. So when they get there and Diana shakes Camilla's hand, Camilla is shook. Yeah. She's like, what the fuck does this mean? Like, what do I do in response to this? What's the protocol? Right. What do I do? She's a fucking mess. Later at the party, Charles and Camilla disappear. And Diana finds them not doing anything, just talking in a private room. And as soon as Diana sits down next to them, she asks Charles to leave them alone. And Charles, like, books it out of the room. So it's just her alone with Camilla. Yeah. So Diana's like, Camilla, I need to talk to you. Have a seat. Oh shit! Because <laughs> now she's now she's a grown ass woman. Now she's like yeah. she must be like twenty seven or something, you know? Yeah. So Diana's like, "What the fuck is going on between you and Charles?" So Camilla denies, 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 and she's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." 
right. so, so Diana's like, I know what's going on between you and Charles. I just want you to know that. Yeah. So then Camilla says, you've got everything you've ever wanted. All the men in the world are falling in love with you and you've got two beautiful children. What more do you want? What the fuck? <laughs> my marriage, bitch. Yeah, exactly. This was my, I think, the peak of my fury at Camilla. I was like, what the fuck? I think that she thinks that Diana's a bitch, like a little bitch, and she was a punker. Yeah, because Camilla was ready to take Charles anyway. Like, she was yeah. okay with him getting married and having right. kids as long as she still got to have him. Right. And she's she doesn't understand why Diana isn't okay with the, like, you get everything else, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Let me just have Charles. Right. But then she doesn't get, like, I think that she doesn't realize the weight that's on Diana's shoulders. Like, yeah. As she has to put up with all of this bullshit of being princess, and she doesn't even get her husband in return, you know? Exactly. And she didn't sign up for that agreement. Like, it's right. not like Charles was like, hey, look. Yeah, you are, you, know, you are going to become the most photographed woman on earth. Right, and I'm going to have a side chick. Yeah. And you got to be okay with that, you know? He didn't lay it out to her like that. And you got to you gotta pretend like everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. At all times. Yeah, exactly. 100% of the time. Oh, okay. So, of course, Diana responds, I want my husband. And I'm sorry I'm in the way. I obviously am in the way. And it must be hell for both of you. But I do know what's going on, so don't treat me like like I'm an idiot. Good. So at this point, Diana and Charles had been together for seven years. And Diana says that she didn't sleep at all that night, but that by the next morning, things were palpably different for her. Like there had been um, an almost seismic shift. Before, she'd been consumed by this dark energy that was the jealousy she had about Charles and Camilla's relationship. But now that weight had sort of been lifted. So for three days, Charles had been acting all fucking weird because he obviously wanted to know what had been said in the private conversation between Diana and Camilla. Uh-huh. So Diana sort of breaks the tension and is like, yo, I know you're dying to know. So just fucking ask her. Yeah. <laughs> but just so you know, I just said that I loved you and there's nothing wrong with that. So sometime in 1989, Diana was finally able to get a handle on her bulimia. And after that, everything changed for her. She became physically stronger, which allowed her to focus more on her mental health. So she became mentally stronger, too. Wow. She says that this was a huge turning point and she stopped thinking of herself as a victim, which was part of the reason she was able to finally confront Camilla at that party. There's this really sad part in the documentary when she's talking about how one of the shittiest parts of all of this is how in the media and the quote unquote system, which I interpreted as the royal family, kept blaming her for the obvious dysfunction in her marriage. She says that all she wanted to do was be good at her job, her job being being the Princess of Wales. Right. And that after she'll have done that job for 12 or 15 years, definitely not longer, that she knows that she'll be able to say that she did her best. Then she kind of lays it all out there and says, quote, let's put it this way. I've never, ever seen myself as being the next queen. Wow. So she knows that she was out yeah so the tapes the tapes that diana is dictating her story into they were for journalist andrew morton who was writing an unauthorized biography of diana so the book comes out in 1992 and it's one of the biggest book releases ever he really puts most of her shit out there and he talks about the suicide attempts the bulimia and the relationship between charles and camilla 
He leaves a bunch of shit out, though, because it would reveal that Diana herself was the main source for the book. Right. Her sort of thinking for doing this and for going on the record with Andrew is she wanted to get her story out there quickly before some major damaging stories were about to come out about her, which I'm going to get to. So she wants to spin the story so that the public hears her side first and sympathizes with her. And then the book comes out and it's basically a bombshell. The palace starts scrambling, like, what the fuck are we going to do about this? The press bombards Camilla, like, for real this time. And it was crazy. Now the world knows, not just suspects, but knows that shit is really messy at the palace. And not just messy like there's drama, but messy like, damn, someone, in this case, Diana, could have really gotten hurt because of all this fucking bullshit that goes along with being a part of this fucking family. Right. And for what? Because Charles had to marry a good girl virgin to like, keep up appearances or whatever? Right. Meanwhile, the palace and their supporters fought back to try to paint Diana in an unsavory light because they, and they're not wrong here, I guess, say that all the public is hearing at this point is Diana's side of the story. But at the same time, she was selling their side of the story for years at this point. So it's kind of bullshit. Anyway, they try to spin it as because of Diana's illness, everything has built up in her mind and she's created situations and imagined situations. Basically, they're calling her delusional. Right. So they talk about, they spill some tea about her, how like she constantly is like paranoid. She listens at the doors trying to hear people having conversations about her or, or imagines that people's, people are having conversations about her. So she starts listening at doors. They call her unhinged. They suggest that she has borderline personality disorder, which now we call um, bipolar. Yeah, they really start a sort of smear campaign. At this point, also, Diana kind of walks back certain things that she told Andrew Morton in the tapes. She says that that one time she didn't throw herself down the stairs. She tripped down the stairs. Right. I think she's trying to do kind of damage control because she admitted that and now the palace is calling her crazy and shit. So I think she's right. trying to walk things back a little bit. Right. And they had said she she recorded that stuff during a particularly dark time, right? Yeah. It was yeah. like when she had had enough. Like she was already better as far as the bulimia goes. And I think she was getting more help psychologically. But mm-hmm. I think that she was just fucking done with her marriage at this point. So... I think that that's that was the darkness in her life at that time. Wow. Okay, so now she's dealing with this shit in public after she's already been dealing with all this bullshit in private. Right. In her first engagement since the book came out, she's at a hospice that she had previously done a lot of work with, and they're thanking her for her, for her contributions, and she just breaks down in tears. Oh. This, of course, makes headlines across the world. So this is kind of... What I'm going to talk about now is like what she was trying to get in front of by talking to Andrew Morton and getting her side out there first. Uh-huh. Between 1992 and 1993, another scandal pops up called Squidgy Gate, in which tapes of Diana venting to her friend. We're going to call him a friend because we're not sure if they were lovers or anything. Uh-huh. He was for sure a friend, but maybe they might have been lovers. Anyway, his name is James Gilby 
who and it's called squidgy gate because he calls her squid or squidgy a million times during the call i think like literally 52 times during a 30 minute call <laughs> so she's venting to james about how she feels trapped in her marriage how the palace is smearing her how she's worried that she might be pregnant and all this really personal shit and anyway the tapes leak to the media the Sun publishes the transcript and sets up a hotline where you can listen to the 30-minute tape in its entirety for 50 cents a minute, which is low-key genius. Ugh, but fucking rude. Yeah, it's, it's real <laughs> fucking rude. In November of 1992, transcripts are also published of a taped conversation between Charles and Camilla that's super embarrassing. Yes, that one's so good. He talks about wanting to be her tampon yeah he talks about her panties yeah they talk about <laughs> he talks about how ooh, he he wants her several times a week because she's like she says something like i'll see you on sunday he's like "Ooh, sundays aren't enough i need you several times a week dude low-key the alternate universe is really strong though because camilla and charles have by this time been together how long and they're still hot and heavy for each other that's true but also they you know have I mean? the thing where their where their love is forbidden ooh. you know <laughs> so uh, they talk about how they can't wait to fuck and they do yeah. an extended you hang up. No, you hang up bullshit. Like it's <laughs> fucking gross. <Yeah. laughs> the point is that everyone knows that Charles and Diana's marriage is fucking over for real. Yeah. And everybody knows Charles is fucking Camilla. Yeah, it's over. So and Diana even believed that Charles was cheating on both her and Camilla with his personal assistant and former nanny to the boys. Ooh. <laughs> Tiggy Leggy Bork, which sounds like the most made up British name I've ever heard. <laughs> That's not a fucking name. <laughs> but, you know, once. Those are cross streets. <laughs> I live on the corner of Tiggy Leggy and Tiggy Bork. Tiggy and Leggy Bork. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's always, uh, once again, it's always the nanny. <laughs> yep. And Diana was paranoid that Charles might have her killed to clear the way for him to marry oh, Tiggy. Wow. Wow. Because she noticed that Tiggy was, I mean, she was the nanny, so she was real close with the boys. Yeah. And I guess she felt some type of way about that. Yeah, like she could just fall into that role easily. Yeah. Also, the News of the World printed a story that they got a hold of Diana's phone records. Ooh. And over a six-month period, she made over 300 calls to this married art dealer named Oliver Hoare. Yeah. And so here was another chance for the palace to be like, she's fucking crazy. She's obsessed with this dude. Yes. Because there's no, we don't have any proof or any real suspicions that they were together or like fucking or anything. It, yeah. They, it just seems like she was sort of obsessed with him. Well, just like James Hewitt, like there's no like real proof. But that they were together? Yeah, but homeboy looks a lot like Prince Harry. <laughs> well, there's proof because she admits it and he admits it. Oh, they do? Yeah. I don't remember them admitting it. Yeah, and like the end of their relationship is kind of it's kind of shitty cuz it just kind of she she decides that the pressure is getting too high because she kind of lets Charles know like, "Hey, I'm with him." And he was like, "Okay, whatever cuz I'm with Camilla." Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah. But the palace sort of didn't like it. Like it was okay for Charles, but it wasn't okay for her. So, right. So they start putting some sort of pressure on her. So she's like, it's not worth it. And they kind of just fizzle out. And he says that it was really depressing. Yeah. And he ended up going to the Gulf 
in the army because he was in the army mm-hmm. and uh he says that that was like when he was about to go that was the last time that they spent together she was like i want to see you before you go and like Aww. it was really tough on them all the guys that diana had affairs with were like way hotter than prince charles oh for sure <laughs> Every, everybody's hotter than prince charles that's true though that's true it's like i don't understand how people you always hear people talking about like oh he was so handsome like they were such a what beautiful couple when they got married about? and shit no hell no hell no that fool looks like a foot <laughs> all right so so she makes 300 calls to this dude and there were we've all been there There were also reports of her fucking around with a rugby player named will carling oh yeah fuck you (laughs) (laughs) and an investment banker named theodore j fortsman (laughs) (laughs) not long after this charles and diana officially separate in december of 1993 diana makes a public statement saying that after she competes after she completes the engagements that are already in the books she'll partially step back from her public life to focus on raising the boys she dated the british pakistani heart surgeon hasnat khan who many describe as the love of her life for around two years at this time the problem with Hasnat was that he was kind of like, he was serious with her and it seems like he did love her, but at the same time, he didn't want to commit because obviously it, there's the elephant of the room of she's the princess of Wales, you know? Like, right. He doesn't, he doesn't want that lifestyle. He doesn't want anything to do with that. So their relationship was very secret and right. he would always try to break things off with her, not because he didn't love her or not because he didn't want to be with her, but he just, he knew I can't be part of that life. Yeah. At one point, she even makes a trip to Pakistan to visit his family because his family, they were kind of the main ones who were like, no, this is messy. Don't do this. Break up with her. Yeah. So she kind of made like one last ditch effort. Like, let me meet your family and, you know, we can talk about it IRL, but the family didn't like her. Yeah. Or maybe it's not that they didn't like her, but she didn't do anything to change their mind about the problems you know yeah him going into that whole life yeah so they that was like the the last big effort that she made and they sort of broke up after that but they were still in contact and because they loved each other you know so they were still in contact for a couple months after after their breakup but they were together in total for about two years yeah in 1995, Diana does an infamous and rare on-camera interview with Martin Bashir, where she gives us the infamous quote, well, there were three of us in that in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. <laughs> there were, girl, there were at least three of you. There were, like, <laughs> there were several of you in that marriage. Oh, fuck yeah. And she also publicly doubts Charles' suitability to be king. Ooh. And you go girl. And that was the last straw. The qu- oh, yeah. the queen told Charles and Diana that they had to get divorced. <laughs> the divorce was finalized in August of 1996, not long after Diana publicly accused Tiggy of aborting Charles's baby. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> Diana got a settlement of 17 million pounds or 22 million dollars and 500 That's not enough. It's not enough for everything that she had to go through Fuck no. for all the suicide attempts. She almost died, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And she got $520,000 a year. 
which that, okay. that's not too bad. You you put the twenty two million away, right? Yeah, and you live off of the five hundred twenty. Yeah, and the kids are taken care of, so yeah, exactly. So you don't have to worry about that. And she has like she still gets to live at Kensington Palace. Yeah, so she could have Fergied her way through life. <laughs> yeah, and she would have done a better job than Fergie probably. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> she also got to keep her title, the Princess of Wales. Hell yeah! But she was no longer to be referred to as Her Royal Highness, which Diana did not give a fuck about. Yeah, <laughs> Diana's attitude about this angered her mom, so her and her mom stopped speaking and were not on speaking terms when Diana died. Wow. So shortly thereafter, it was like Diana couldn't help herself. She was in these streets doing her huma- her humanitarian work in the public again. Yeah. I, I read something where her just showing up for a charity would, on average, increase the donations by $1 million. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So anytime she could put her face out there, it was like she was doing the lord's work like she was yeah <laughs> she was making millions of dollars for these charities and it was kind of shitty because people were saying oh she's just doing it for attention she's just doing it for her own public image but like she was making a huge difference just by showing up N- yeah. not to mention the fact that she was really hands-on doing shit so this time her main charity aside from aids at this point was uh to try to end the use of landmines so there's a lot of footage of her being out in the field among the landmines and stuff. And with patients, of course, who had had legs blown off and stuff. And she was like, I saw a video of her in Angola where she was in a hospital and people were literally dying next to her. Yeah. It was really sad. And it's crazy that she threw herself, herself out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So two months after the sort of last breakup with uh, Hasnat, the doctor, she took a trip to Saint Tropez because she got invited by a man named Mohammed Al Fayed. And uh-huh. Mohammed Al Fayed had been denied a visa into the UK. And did he, he own Herod's or his family owned Herod's? It was the family company, but he was like the pretty Running much it? the the sole the sole heir. That's awesome. So he had like uh, the Ritz, he owned the Ritz in Paris and Oof. shit. So he was super rich, but they denied him a visa. So he was like going around bribing British officials trying to get his shit together. Right. <laughs> so he was like, let me invite Princess Diana to my yacht and see if maybe yeah, like sure a good ass time. Right. Maybe she can help me out. So yeah. she's partying on the yacht in San Tropez. I, ooh, I wish I could be on this yacht. Okay. And so he kind of like you, oh you wish you could be royalty mate yeah so, <laughs> so do we all i want the i want the title the princess of wales i don't need the her royal highness shit though yeah anyway so he kind of like he he has good vibes with diana so he's like you know what he calls his son he's like yo dody get your ass over here <laughs> <laughs> you young and hot <laughs> so he calls his son dody fayed to meet them on the yacht and sure enough he hits it off with Diana because he's, of ki- course, yeah, you know, he's uh, kind of hot, kind of, yeah, kind of sexy, kind of smart, kind of yeah. funny, but not funny looking. And she could fuck him. Guy you could fuck with, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I see you, girl. You and me both love Egyptian men designer clothes and yachts. Go off, queen. <laughs> so there's kind of conflicting reports because Diana told it was like she, this was like her summer fling, sort of, you know, uh-huh. Diana told her friends different things. She told, like, a certain group of friends that 
he that yeah this is totally just a fling but she told another group of friends i think i could see myself with this guy because uh-huh. i i like his family and i've always wanted to have that feeling of family because she never really had that she came from a broken home she was in boarding schools and right. then the royal family treated her like she shit. got married like at five yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so she was like oh i can see myself with this guy i, I like this could be something and then she told another group of friends, like, oh, I'm just trying to make fucking has not jealous, you know? Right. <sighs> I feel like Dodie is always going to be linked to Diana, but I, I always think, like, has not more. Oh, yeah, for sure. Was, like, a real love, you know? Yeah. They, like, Dodie, to me, seemed more like a fling. And it's possible It's possible that she could have felt all these things at the same time, you know? Yeah, it, yeah. Or she could She could have been changing her mind from one minute to the next. Like, oh, yeah, this is a summer spring. Oh, maybe this could be more. Or, you yeah, know what? Yeah, yeah. But then also she still has these feelings for Hasnat because it yeah, had only been two months. Yeah. And they were still friends. Not friends, but, you know, they still had feelings for him. each other. Yeah, she loved him. The reasons it didn't work out had nothing to do with the way they felt about each other. Yes, exactly. So she spends the summer partying with Dodie. And at the end of the summer, she's kind of like, she's not necessarily done with him, but she's like, oh, you know, I got to get back home to be with my kids. Yeah. And so she kind of cuts her trip short. She makes arrangements to go back to the UK like a few days early. But he's like, you know what? Let's just go to Paris, just spend a few romantic days together. And let's just, you know, let's put the cherry on top of whatever it is that we had. Right. So they head to Paris. And the Paris trip is sort of a mess because by this point, the paparazzi's following them because uh-huh. they, they have pictures of them on the yacht and shit. Yeah. There had been pictures of them on the yacht, but Diana had arranged for those pictures to be taken. Oh, okay. She did one of the things that, you know, a lot Britney of ce- a lot of celebrities <laughs> do, which was call the paparazzi and say, I'm going to be here at this time, at this place with this yeah. dude get these pictures yeah so that kind of lends credence i think to the idea that she did want to make Hasnat jealous uh-huh but also the, the big when the pictures were published in the uk a lot of like the front page by the way the guy who took the picture of them on the yacht the long the long uh range photograph of them that's all grainy and shit of them uh-huh. kissing he made a million dollars for that that's fucking crazy anyway there was the 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 pictures were printed in the uk and all of the newspapers ran the headline that she was doing it to distract from the fact that Camilla's 50th birthday party was that same <laughs> weekend when the photos were taken. So it was like, look out, Camilla. Like, I'm yeah. getting all the attention or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, it was a big deal that the paparazzi was like all over them and in Paris, Diana's kind of getting a little bit stressed out about it because it was one thing when she called them and she was like on the safety of the yacht, but it was another thing when they were following her all over Paris. And so Dodie was kind of frantic, changing the plans all the time. Like, oh, we're going to go have dinner here. We're going to, no, scratch that. We're going to go have dinner here. Uh, We're going to go to this gallery. We're going to do this. And then like would constantly change the plans so that the paparazzi wouldn't follow them. And this created a problem for their security team and the security team went to went to Dodi and they were like, we can't do this. This isn't safe. And he basically told them to fuck off. Yeah. So like the last, last minute uh, change of plans that they had was he decided to go have dinner with her at 
his father's hotel, the Ritz. Mm-hmm. So the paparazzi chase them all the way there. And he tells the head of security who he's kind of been beefing with at this point that he wants a different driver. Mm-hmm. So he gets the driver who's the head of security at the Ritz. And his name is Henri Paul. Unbeknownst to them. Unbeknownst. <laughs> Henri Paul had been drinking. Uh, was he on coke too or just drinking i think that they found trace amounts of cocaine later in the inquest on on it like yeah exactly second yeah Yeah. so anyway so they slip out through the back door after dinner they get in the car with Henri paul and i think there was one other person in the car but on that evening on august 31st 1997 diana was killed in a car crash along with her boo dodi fayed and her driver Henri Paul after her car was being chased through the streets of Paris by paparazzi. R.I.P. I remember this so vividly. Me like, too. I remember like it's like time stopped. Yeah. I, re- like, I remember that all night. all over the TV. I literally remember watching it on a small TV, probably the size yep. of my laptop that was like one yep. of those fat TVs. It was like the last little fat TV that we had. It was like in our kitchen. I was what like 10 and yeah i i just remember it like being on every channel and not knowing what to think yeah me too because it was scary she was so young and like there were all these rumors you know and yeah and she had given so much to the people that it was like this huge life gone yeah just a big loss it was yeah oh god it was heartbreaking i just realized she was only like I want to say like five or six years older than us. Oh, yeah. She's like our age. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So, of course, there are a range of conspiracy theories about her death. Yeah. The most prominent. I don't want to go into them because they're. Yeah. It's, but, it's bullshit. Yeah. But the most prominent being that the royal family had her killed because she was about to get engaged to Dodie or was maybe engaged to Dodie. Uh huh. And she may or may not have been pregnant with his baby, which we know that she wasn't. But right. But if that could have been the rumor that got to the royal family, right. And so the and I still don't understand how they would want that gone. Like, why can't she move on? Charles could fucking move on because they didn't want the future king's half brother to be a Muslim. Ugh. Yeah. But the truth is that it was just a horrible, tragic. Yeah accident accident yeah there were a lot of factors of course the paparazzi of course yeah that Henri had yeah. been drinking yeah they weren't wearing seat belts yeah they weren't wearing seat belts it was just like it was a bad combination of events and also there was um the inquest discovered that they took they took a long time to get her to the hospital Henri was killed instantly uh Dodi was killed instantly she wow. was still alive in the back seat and she was suffering and <gasps> the first the first medical professionals on the team gave her some fentanyl because she was crying out and like mumbling and crying out. They gave her some fentanyl. It really like depressed her blood pressure and everything, which was bad because she had already had like super low blood pressure because she had a tear, I think, in one of her heart valves, I think in her aortic valve. Yeah. And anyway, so she, they put her into an ambulance and instead of the 10 minutes that it would usually take to get to the hospital, it took 40 minutes because they were scared that she was so fragile that they were yeah. going to do more damage to her in the transport, which is not, that's not the way things are done. But th- they were just so, you know, scared for her safety that that's, that's the choice that they made. 
And uh, so by the time she got to the hospital, she had been hemorrhaging and the doctors didn't realize that she was hemorrhaging because she kind of didn't look that bad on first glance. She didn't have that many external injuries, at least not very grave ones. Uh, she had been she had bruising across the face, which suggested that she did have some sort of trauma in her head. But yeah. it wasn't until they did the scans that they realized that she was bleeding internally and there was basically no way to save her. And she died at the hospital. Wow. So there was a lot of drama, of course, with the royal family. They didn't know how to handle the situation. The queen kind of just wanted to treat her as a civilian sort of like you know call a mortuary yeah <laughs> have them send the the hearse or whatever to go get her like it's, yeah it's not a big deal but then it was really charles who advocated on behalf of his kids like no she's yeah. she's the princess of wales yeah and there was a lot of i guess anger from the british people about the way they were handling the situation because they weren't buckled down at Bu at Buckingham Palace, which is kind of the procedure for when a royal dies. Yeah. I don't know what the, there's a, they call it something. I think it's like being in wait or something. Right. Something like that. Like they, everything goes dark. Yeah. And they were just kind of like sort of going about their business. So they were shamed into doing just the regular procedure as always. Yeah. So much so that the queen had to come out and give a statement, which she doesn't usually do, and say that her, their hearts are broken, blah, blah, blah. She's kind of like, whatever. She was. She's playing politics. Yeah, she's playing politics. Ugh. All right. Her funeral was broadcast and watched by millions across the world as so many people mourn the loss of such a beautiful, complicated, and tragic public figure. It remains one of the most watched television broadcasts of all time. I watched it two nights ago, and let me tell you, I could Hell not no. stop crying. It I was, would not watch that shit. What oh man, torture yourself for it was Prince so bad. William and Harry walking behind her. Yeah, the people, just like the random people that they would find in the crowd who were just yeah, like bawling and shit. Yeah. yeah, all the flowers in front of Buckingham Palace. It was just oh man, awful. There was footage of people just unable to accept that she was gone. Yeah. William and Harry were were stoic. I, I don't I don't know how they did that. I think when I don't you, know how they walked. I think when you're a kid it's different. You maybe don't understand everything right away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh man. Her brother gave her eulogy and talked about how she was ultimately taken by people who wanted a piece of her. And her coffin was carried away with a handwritten letter on top from her sons that merely had the word mummy on the oh, outside no. of the envelope. Okay. Elton John, of course, weird owled the song he'd written in the 70s about Marilyn Monroe, Candle in the Wind, <laughs> <laughs> and reworked it for Diana. That's not my joke. Uh, I heard that several years ago. I don't remember who said it, but I always think about that. <laughs> Diana will be remembered for her devotion to her sons, her devotion to her charity work, her humanity, and she made mistakes just like everyone else. Oh my god, man, get it together. <laughs> this is a comedy podcast. Uh, I Are you fucking relax. No, I keep picturing I keep picturing the funeral, man. Why would you watch that? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Sadistic <laughs> Masochistic. Whatever. <laughs> so whatever with you, Howard. She'll be remembered for her triumph, her sadness, and her legacy, which continues to shape the royal family to this day. And that's the story of the the people's princess, Diana. R.I.P. 
RIP, man. Uh, don't go to Paris. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, don't go to Paris. Oh, wow. Uh, well, <laughs> that was the drama club. It was real dramatic today. It was. Tune in on Monday for our Afternoon Delight episode. Which, which we're, will hopefully be a, a happy a happy uh, subject. <laughs> uh, it's not happy, but it's not bad. <laughs> um, hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Drama Club Pod. Hit us up on the website, dramaclubpod.com. On the hotline, 505-539-0556. Email us, dramaclubpod at gmail.com. And Ooh, oh yeah, that's it. No, hold up. Leave us a review to try to oh, drown yeah. out these. We got a fucking one star review. Motherfucking one star review. What a bunch of haters. <laughs> yeah, that one person. What a bunch of hater. Yeah, that one person. <laughs> and refer us to a friend. Yeah. Later, guys. Bye. However, whatever with your helmet. Semana Santa. <laughs> <laughs> is it a coincidence that 420 falls during Semana Santa? I think not. You be the judge. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us your thoughts at www.dramaclubpod.com. <laughs>